Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkowski. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Derrick Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25-20. Derrick Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! It is like the second time in two weeks that I tell everybody we're about to record, let's get this podcast rolling, and then the guest just gets up and walks away. Like, we we didn't have the video on, and I'm just busting your chops, but we had our good buddy James on last week, and uh, right as I hit record, I see him in his webcam just get up and walk away, and there's this little underlying anxiety that I get, because I'm like, oh my god, is he going to get back before the intro stops? But, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Happy Victory Monday to you as we are coming back at you for episode 155. The comeback was conquered by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They topple Atlanta 31-27. to And we have got a lot to break down when it comes to this game. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the updated playoff picture. The Buccaneers can no longer clinch on Christmas Day. We'll give you the details on that. And uh, we've also got to address this slow start, which put the Buccaneers in the hole that they found themselves in come halftime. But let's just start from the top. Welcome back. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish, a guy who has not gotten up and walked away from this show just yet. Not sure how long it'll take you to get there, but uh, welcome back. How are you doing, Evan? Good. I haven't walked away yet. You haven't made me that angry yet to where I would have to walk (laughs) away, but, you know, um, yeah, it's all good. I think... uh, you know, the the pre-show and stuff, that, that that's your last chance to, to gather your thoughts, make sure you're all good and stuff. So, I mean, I you you know what? Now, the next time, I definitely am walking away. and I'm, I'm not coming <laughs> back for the intro, too. I'll come back like midway through the show. Well, I'm glad he did come back in time for the show. But our very special guest, a guy returning, he's been with us a couple of times before, from Pewter Report, Matt Matera. Matt, happy Monday to you. Same to you guys. I apologize. I was not trying to uh, worry you or anything. I'm not trying to make a statement. I just went to go get a glass of water. So, uh, you know. Well, I'd rather have you hydrated. Get going on this podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. So we've got a lot to talk about from Sunday's game. I-, I wanted to talk about the playoff picture first and foremost, because that's what it seems like everybody's asking about the most. So with some things happening, the Bucks win. Uh, the Vikings did not beat the Bears. So the Bucks were not able to clinch yesterday because think they needed a tie in that game which was pretty damn mm-hmm. unlikely but Evan what does this new playoff scenario look like for Tampa Bay after their win yeah so obviously the the Bucks did their part they won uh but unfortunately the Vikings did not beat the Bears so therefore the Saints beating the Vikings on Christmas night if that would happen it doesn't really matter uh the Bucks can't uh, mathematically clinch on on that game uh, if the Saints were to beat the Vikings. All that would do is basically mean that the Bucks can no longer win the division, which the Saints have lost two straight now. So technically, you could they can still do it, but uh, the Saints play the Vikings and the Panthers, so I, I don't think that's likely. They're I don't think I'm losing either one of those games. So uh, a path to the playoffs is pretty simple. Uh, if if the Bucks beat the Lions on Sunday, they clinch. Uh, if they lose. And I believe if the Bears lose, they would still clinch. So I think, but the Bears play the Jaguars. So I, I don't think you can count on them losing that game. Uh, but it's simple. If the Bucks win, that doesn't matter really what else happens. The Bucks will clinch. Um, and then, you know, then you're looking at maybe a fifth seed, which we'll get into it. The, the Rams losing to the Jets, that really helped out the Bucks' chances for the fifth seed now because, uh, you know, if the Rams finish 11 and 5, which would be the same record as the Bucks, if the Bucks would win out, the Rams would end up 
actually winning the NFC West. So that would put them in one of the top four seeds, and the Bucks would own the tiebreaker over Seattle. So uh, that would put them in, in the fifth seed. So right now, it's pretty simple. If the Bucks win, they clinch. They don't need anybody else's help if they take care of their own business. Uh, but if they wouldn't, then they would need probably a Chicago loss, I think, to officially clinch. Now, while we're coming off of the reels of it, Matt, I wanted to ask you, are, are you a betting guy? Did uh, did you happen to make any money this weekend? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a, uh, a weekly post on PeterReport.com called Betting the Bucks, where uh, I take a look at the, at the line and the over-under for the Bucks game, and I give my analysis and, and tell you what, uh, you know, what to pick for that game. Then I also, uh, I also make some picks around the league as well. So yes, I, I did win some money this week and I am, uh, for lack of a better term and a pretty avid gambler on, uh, on Sundays. Oh, there you go. Well, if you guys are in the same neighborhood and you just happen to check out betting the bucks this week on pewter report, make sure you get over to BetOnline.ag. Believe it or not, the final quarter of the regular season is here but you've still got more than enough time to get in on the action. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes down. So make sure you head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. So let's talk a little bit about the game. The Buccaneers did come out victorious in quite spectacular fashion, I must say. Um, but it's just hard to feel as good as I want to feel because that slow start is hard to ignore. And uh, it, it seems like it has loomed this team week after week, and, and it almost got away from them this week. If, if they weren't playing Atlanta, if they were playing a team with, I don't know, an ounce more of... Uh, I don't know if they were playing a little bit of a better team. Basically, I don't think they would have gotten this one back. But seventeen to zero headed into halftime. How do we address this slow start, Evan? Because it is just it's you know you talk about it week after week, and yeah, playoffs are looming. But if you start a playoff game like this, it'll be over before mm -hmm. it even starts. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically two straight weeks now, uh, three straight if you want to go back to Kansas City, um, to where they've potentially been down double digits and had Dan Bailey made, you know, his extra point and field goal before the Bucks scored a touchdown, they would have been down 10, nothing, uh, not six, nothing before they scored their first touchdown. So yeah, it, it's really hurt them. I think even if, if the Bucks are playing the, the Vikings this week, instead of the Falcons and the Vikings have a 17 and nothing lead, the Bucks probably lose. Um, I, I think the Vikings are a better team than the Falcons. So the Bucks probably end up losing that game, but yeah, it's, it's definitely concerning. Um, the thing that's concerning to me the most is probably the offense's slow start just because this team is built on like the offense doing very good and all of its resources have been put into this offense. And the Falcons defense is just one of the worst in the NFL when it comes to defending the pass. And the Bucks had what 60, 60 yards, I believe halftime, 62 yards uh, of offense. That's just, that's not acceptable and you're not going to win any game. Uh, with with only that much in the first half, especially not a playoff game. I mean, we're talking about the fifth seed, which you want to get the fifth seed to be able to play the NFC East team, which would likely be Washington at this point. If you go down 17 points to Washington, I don't think you're coming back. I mean, Washington's defense is really good, and um, so yeah, any playoff team, you're you're not coming back from that. And obviously, they got down early to Kansas City by a lot. I think it was 17 nothing again. Um, and, you know, they ended up making it close. But you, you think if they you didn't spot the Chiefs 17 points, what could have happened? Could you have won that football game instead? Um, and uh, it's it's killing them. It, it really is. And I, uh, to me, a lot of people looked at the, the defense, which I understand that the defense did struggle a little bit early. They couldn't really get a pass rush going. Uh, there was Calvin Ridley was really destroying them. Uh, it was some soft zone stuff, which I don't know why they keep going to that. But uh, the the more concerning thing for me was this offense is looking completely out of sync. Uh, it's it's week what 15 now. I mean, there's no excuses for the offense with continuity. Or I understand that Donovan Smith. And Ronald Jones were out, but Donovan Smith and Ronald Jones weren't going to miraculously add 100 more yards to this team's first half total. Uh, them guys being in weren't going to make that much of a difference. And uh, when you have Tom Brady, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, to just have 60 yards of offense against the 30th ranked passing defense in the NFL after one half is just 
not the way to win football games. Yeah, I think I think it's frustrating that it's the slow starts are happening on both sides of the ball. Like uh-huh. if the offense was starting out slow and the defense could go and, and kind of pick them up a little bit, keep them in the game, that would be great. But it's not happening. And you just talked you covered a lot there, but you just talked about the past couple of games. I mean, if you go back to the last five games, the Bucks have been outscored by a ton in the first quarter. I believe it's like fifty one to seven or, or fifty nine oh. to seven. They're just getting completely behind the eight ball to to start these games out. I think what really is the issue for for the offense, and I agree with what you said. I mean, at what point is enough enough with with uh, well, you know, we need to get on the same page. Like the Bucks aren't the only team that had to have a shortened off season. Uh-huh. Every single team in the NFL had to deal with this, and other teams like the Colts had a new quarterback coming into a new system, and the Colts seem to have figured things out a little bit easier than the Bucks have in the offensive side of the ball. I think the key really is first down for the Bucks. Uh-huh. They are not executing on first down, and that's really putting their offense at a, at a disadvantage where you're getting these second and third and longs. I know Byron Leftwich has been getting a like a ton of criticism, and a lot of it he deserves. I just feel the issue with the offense, at least in the first half, is that they're, and I've said this before on other podcasts, the offense is really just, they're putting, it's like they're trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Everything that they're asked to do in this offense requires absolute 100% precision, and it's a high degree of difficulty, but that doesn't always necessarily have to be the case. A lot of times on third and one, third and two, they'll go and run a, you know, an exotic pass play when it's like just run the ball up the middle. You saw it on, on and they were terrible on third down uh, in the first half in the win over Atlanta. One of the runs that they did convert, though, was a pitch to the outside with Leonard Fournette. There's just there's no continuity. There's a lot of things that aren't going right. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned it, Evan. The soft zone is just extremely frustrating because they are making pedestrian quarterbacks look like all pros. They made Kirk Cousins look very good. Matt Ryan struggled the week before, and he was Uh on fire in this game. Uh, I mean, you go back to the Saints game when they lost at home. Drew Brees could not throw the ball more than like five yards down the field. You would think they would play press man, but no, they let Drew Brees completely live in his element. I think that's the huge issue is that these cornerbacks for the Bucks are built to play press man. I understand you study an offense and you go and, and see what they're all about. And, you know, you you dial up your plays that way. But I think, you know... At the end of the day, you can't react to what another team is doing. You got to be proactive and just do what you do best. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are at their best when they're playing press man and they're up at the line of scrimmage and they're sending Devin White up the middle or they're dialing up exotic blitzes. Three and sacks on have- Sunday, by the way, just to throw this in there. Three sacks, none of them from the pass rush. It was all Devin right. White on the blitz. So <laughs> I wrote the most disappointing this week for Peter Report, and I put the Bucks four-man pass rush on the list because yeah. – Matt Ryan had all day to throw in both halves. It wasn't just the, the first half. Yeah. He had all day to throw. And until they started really sending the blitz, and yeah, Devin White got home. By the way, and I'll, I'll wrap it up soon, Devin White freaking loves playing in Atlanta because last year when the Bucks won in Atlanta, he had two sacks. He yeah, had three right. sacks today. He's had three career multi-sack games, and two of them have come in Atlanta. So anytime Devin White's in Atlanta, things are going well for him. And, um, yeah, just to wrap it up, the Bucks defense, when I watch them, it's, it's almost like they're doing a Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope type of act because they come out in the first half and they play this soft zone, and the offense is moving the ball down the field against them. And then they make the adjustments at halftime. They go more to man coverage, mm-hmm. and they— Start getting to the quarterback, and it's you. You look at the numbers over the past couple of games. The Bucks' defense plays very well in the second half, and I know yeah. they started out not great in the second half. The Fal- right after the Bucks scored, the Falcons went down, and scored again. But I mean, they only let up. They only allowed ten points in the second half, so it, it's a, it's a rope a dope tactic. But they need to do it for sixty minutes, and that's something Bruce Arians talked about. Now, I wanted to get your two cents on something else Bruce Arians talked about today, and it was kind of addressing the slow start that we've seen from Tampa Bay, but his quote was this, uh, the early game struggles, they come from execution, not the scripting. Uh, 
you know, so for a lot of people who want to look at the coaches and kind of finger point blame that way, what do you make of this comment? Because, you know, obviously you've seen very drastic responses on both sides of the spectrum here, but Bruce Arian saying that it's just straight up execution. Do you agree? I don't agree entirely. I think the offense could do a better job of putting the X and O's together and, and executing a little bit better. But I think really what it comes down to is Bruce Arians is fiercely loyal to his guys and his coaching staff. So he's not going to throw Byron Leftwich under the bus, but Byron Leftwich is come under a lot of scrutiny for his play calling and the fact that the Bucks are ranked in the in the very bottom of the league in in dialing up play action passes which up until this game the Bucks have been very successful with and you saw it in the second half the Bucks started passing the ball more and started really finding their groove so i think they could simple things down a little bit more for the offense. Uh, there's a little bit involved with the execution for sure, but I think uh, I think the play calling would be a big part of it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, that's something that I've been kind of saying. I, I said it, yeah, everybody wants to point the blame at Leftwich and stuff, but I, I think it goes a little bit both ways. And I do think that the, the scripting of the first 15, 20 plays should be better because clearly it, it hasn't worked, uh, That you know, whatever. What, they have three straight uh, three and outs against Kansas City, and then, and then you know, you, you had maybe like one first down in your first, you know, three or four drives against Atlanta and a slow start against Minnesota. Uh, so clearly it hasn't been working, but it's also on the player sometimes. I mean, I didn't think Ryan Jensen played a very good first half. Uh, Leonard Fournette with, I mean, when you run him backwards in the, on a screen pass, uh, that's not in the game plan. Um, so, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, that was blown up due to a missed block. It's it, so it also is a little bit of, of execution on, on the player's part. And when you're looking at this offense yet again, you wouldn't expect that execution would be an issue because look at the players they have. Uh, execution should be no issue at all, especially this late in the season. Uh, if it was week one, you could say, well, you know, there's a player where they maybe not on the same page but that i mean even if you want to say it with antonio brown antonio brown's been on the team since week nine like you know those, those excuses are done for him too i think um something you you mentioned matt uh, you know, about them getting outscored in the, the first quarter or whatever uh i believe i was listening to pewter reports podcast yesterday after the game and i couldn't believe a stat they said uh, the bucks have not led in the first quarter since chicago since the Ch- chicago bears game that, that was week five i mean come on <laughs> it was either tied or the bucks are down the bucks have not had a lead even if it was three points the bucks have not had a lead in the first quarter since week five i mean that is just that is insane and that's not the way you're you're going to win football games. Um, I just at least not, com- not in the playoffs. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to comment real quick uh, about the screen game that you talked about. It was funny because when they, in the second half, they adjusted because the Falcons were playing very much off the ball. They kept running screen passes to Antonio Brown, to Chris Godwin. Everyone was getting involved in the screen game. But when it came time to run screen plays to the running back, they... Like, not only did they not execute, but it was like a dumpster fire with, with running oh, screen play. Yeah. And it wasn't even just like the pass couldn't get to the running back. It would hit Fournette's hands, and the ball would, like, automatically go up into the air, like, just ready to get picked off. They got lucky that, you know, obviously the defenders were still off the ball. But that's something I really want to see improve over the next couple of games. I, I'm fine if they want to run screen plays and get, get a little more creative, but... They can't even run like a simple screen to a yeah. running back that every single team in the league knows exactly. how to do. I don't know if I've ever seen a team struggle so much with just the basic running back screen. I mean, the only time that you saw them successful with it yesterday was on a third and long. A few times they had to throw right. a shady and McCoy. Point, and the defense is yeah, just playing, they're playing you know. 10 yards, 15 yeah. yards off. So you're going to get yards there. But yeah, any type of screen game there, if it's not to a wide receiver, it's just, it's not existent. Everybody wants to say, oh, a pass catching running back. It's just, they're blocking assignments on these screens. You could have anybody back there, James White, whoever you want back there. It's, it's not going to matter. It's, it doesn't, you know, obviously the running backs, sometimes they do drop the ball and that hurts because there are some holes in the screen game. But I mean, just the, the whole screen scheme is just very, very strange. And I mean, at this point, I don't know how you can expect it to change much. Um, that's something maybe for next year, but um, I, it's just something they're going to have to live with, I guess. 
Well, not for nothing, but a tweet from John Ledyard a little bit earlier today. Per Pro Football Focus, the Buccaneers running backs have a combined 15 drops in 14 games. That is five more drops already than any other team's running back room had all of last season. It is baffling how crazy they have been just bad in the passing game. Yeah. It really is. Well, everybody clamors for Keyshawn Vaughn. He gets in his first snap and drops, and drops the ball. It. I mean, oh. is, that's exactly have, what I said. That's exactly what I said. I'm most disappointing. Yeah. I said I'm most disappointing. Everyone was calling for Keyshawn Vaughn. And you know what? I'll admit, I wasn't slamming the table being like, Keyshawn Vaughn needs to play. But considering that the Bucks didn't really have a plan for like who's going to be a third down back, it crossed my mind of, yeah, let's give Keyshawn Vaughn a, a, another chance or see what he really has to do because he, you know, he had that good game early in the season and then he got drilled in the Chicago game. And that was essentially like all That's we it. saw from Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn. But yeah, just like you said, he he drops the the first pass thrown to him on like the first snap that he's in. And then he got that draw play and the offensive line got a good push. There was a hole ready to go for him. He and fell, he just, man. yeah, he like tripped over himself and. The, the announcers even mentioned, like, you know, it could be just nerves and he really needs to calm down. And, uh, yeah, I wonder if that was the case. But, yeah, the Bucks got uh, they got some questions on both sides of the ball. But for obviously we're talking about the current day Bucks, but in the future, they're going to be looking at another running back. Yeah, you know, yeah. whether it's whether that I mean, there, if you look at the free agent list, you, you see three former New England Patriot running backs that have been Tom Brady's favorite, James White, Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis. All of them guys can catch the ball. Um, I think the Bucks. may. I'm not saying they'll get one of them, but I think they might inquire about one of them this offseason, at least one of them, uh, if not all three, and just put out a feeler there and say, hey, you know, you, you want to you, you want to come and compete. Um yeah, he's clearly, I mean, Fournette's not going to be back. Uh, McCoy, maybe, but I don't know how you can rely on him. I would doubt he's back, uh, but he has a better chance than Fournette, I think. And Vaughn will be back, but I just don't know how you can have any confidence in him. So, And then Jones in the passing game is still right. bad. So, you know, he's a first and second down guy. But, I mean, Rhett and Matt, we're... We're talking here like they lost. I mean, it, right. this, this, this I, is I, a win. Right? I was about this, to this say. This is a victory Monday, right? You know, based off of the first 20 minutes of the podcast, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell. But the Buccaneers did come out victorious. We addressed the slow start. So now I kind of want to talk more about what they did after they started it up. And it was pretty goddamn impressive, if I do say so myself. So let's go over some of these individual performances. First thing first. TB12, Tom Brady, 31 for 45, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Evan, what did you make of Brady's performance on Sunday? I thought well, his first half was – I'm not going to pin it on him because um, I, did, I just I can't – I just can't do that because it, to me it was just the offensive line wasn't great in the first half. It just – they seemed discombobulated. And I think another thing that was brought up on the Pewter Report podcast, the Bucks seem to do so much better when they had just – have no intentions of running the ball. Like they, <laughs> they just get that out of their system. And they just do so much better because you knew that Tom Brady was basically – he was going to pass that ball. Like that was – you know, and especially in the second half when they were down multiple scores, you know that was a pass. That was a pass. Then they started sprinkling the play action a little bit more. I and think then they have even a little headed into this game. You know, we had talked on our game preview show. I was expecting a big passing day from Brady. I, I said four touchdowns. Maybe I had to eat crow a little bit, but I was definitely expecting him to rear back and throw forty plus. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we we said it. We were like, look, the Falcons' rush defense has been good this season, and their pass defense has been god awful. So, what do you think the Bucks are going to do? And I, I'm not sure if I said this on air or off the air, Rhett, but I remember I told you I thought it was going to be sort of like Brady in the Chargers game, and Brady had what 390 passing yards. I think it was, I, yeah, because I think it was before we had recorded. We were talking about okay. the last, so, you know, under 200 performance. He yeah. Had. So we were so I w- I said it was going to be a stat line similar to the Chargers game. So Tom Brady in this game was 31 of 45. In the Chargers game he was 30 of 46. So <laughs> I was pretty close there and he had about 390 passing yards in this one. He had 369 passing yards in that one. Um but yeah, I mean I just a masterful job. I mean in the second half, you knew when once they got the ball at a certain point, like you like the Falcons had no shot. Like 
I mean, they, they were just, they were moving the ball at will. They were barely getting the third down as is. So um, just like you said, Matt, winning first down, getting four or five yards, you don't have to get it all, right? You don't have to just keep moving the chains consistently, but you got to be able to get three, four or five yards um, on first down. That's a big key. And because you'd rather be in a second and one situation because then what, what is second and one notoriously known for? That's when maybe you can take a shot down the field because if it doesn't work, then you got third and one, whatever, um, which obviously we know this offense loves to do. So <laughs> I, I think they, they really opened it up. Um, I just thought, yeah, it was a masterful job by Brady in the second half. There's something about Atlanta that just he just he he thrives in and just loves to loves to just destroy their souls. I'm I'm not really sure. <laughs> Give me one second. There's like construction going outside, and I don't want the noise to. Uh interfere with the podcast so give me two seconds i'll oh, be no, right that's, back that's quality no content. that's the stuff we're here for man the jackhammers <laughs> yeah, and all that sure. stuff yeah um, but yeah a, a really good day from tom brady and just this offense in the second half listen i don't know if matt follows my twitter saga i know you do and we were talking about it i don't want to say that the success of this offense oh, has something to do with my wing stop order of 10 hot and then uh, a large season fry but for two so are weeks, you, are you working? Are you working on Saturday? You gonna be available to get those wings? Or are yeah, they gonna yeah, just lose? I should be good. I'm off of work okay. all weekend, so I, you know, it'll definitely be happening again. But for two weeks in a row, something about this Buccaneers team wakes up whenever I get my chicken wings. And I was, I was just telling Evan Taylor. Uh, I'm so sorry, Matt. Gra- glad to have you back. Almost called you Taylor Jenkins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's happened before. Um. But Matt, I was just telling Evan, I don't know if you follow my Twitter saga. But I did see that tweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two weeks in a row, the Buccaneers have been undefeated once I get my wing stop by halftime. And it was right about when this team woke up is when the DoorDash guy knocked on my door. So coincidence? I don't know. Um, hey, I'm a I'm a big superstition guy. So only in I'm all for doing whatever you need to do in order <laughs> in order for for your team to win. I, I yeah. I agree. We were way too negative before, especially me. So that's on me. So to get back to the positives, running the ball is essentially overrated because all the Bucks do. I'm about to be negative again, but I promise it's <laughs> for a better all the Bucks do on defense is commit to stopping the run. Yeah. And then everyone's like, all right, we're just not going to run the ball at all. Yeah, exactly. And we're just going to slice and dice you in the passing game. You go back to the Minnesota game. Minnesota had over 100 yards rushing and. I mean, a lot of it was missed field goals and things like that. And, you know, they they didn't put up a lot of points. So the Bucks don't need to run in order to win. What they did in the second half was they fed Mike Evans. And I yeah. think that was really the key to winning that game is they fed Mike Evans. I know he's had an up-and-down year and he's been battling with injuries, but when he gets involved, this offense is just so good. And I think overall, you know, the three – Big playmakers for this team, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Mike Evans. The Falcons are a team where they let up the most yards after the catch in Mm -hmm. the NFL. And that's all the Bucs are doing in the second half when they got the ball. That's why they kept running the screens because they kept working. Every time Antonio Brown got the ball, he was he was moving. And obviously you want to win the game. And that was a big momentum play when when Brown got the deep ball for the touchdown. But I'm hoping that's going to really open up a window where Something just clicks with this offense now that, hey, A.B. is going, everyone's going. Because, you know, there's a little underlying, almost similar in a way to Gronk. When Gronk started out the season slow and everyone was like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if Gronk's the guy. I think, you know, maybe he should have stayed retired. He's not doing it anymore. And then Gronk started heating up. Yeah. Same thing was going on with Antonio Brown where, you know, he was getting the ball and he's doing a lot of underneath stuff. But there's some... Little dance, little simmers of, oh, he's he's not helping out the offense. They should have never got him. It's taken away from Scotty Miller, and then Scotty Miller has the big touchdown a week ago. But maybe that flips the switch now, where this offense is just going to be firing on all cylinders. They understand that they they almost got to do everything in reverse in terms of start passing the ball, and then you can run. <laughs> Yeah, because then you got those leads. Yeah, exactly. Just play for sixty minutes. I mean, this team showed that they are so talented that I mean, 31, 31 points in a in half. One half. Yeah, yeah. What if they showed up in the second quarter? You know, they're probably dropping fifty. Mm-hmm. So I think 
this team showed that they have the talent to beat anyone. It's just, it's funny because we are like a season ago. I was like, this team's talented. If they just put it together, they can make the playoffs. Now it's like, hey, they put it together to make the playoffs. Now they got to put it together to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So they've yeah. taken that next step. It's yeah. Yeah, I think when when you mentioned the about the Falcons, you know, against like the yards after the catch, I think it's a third and two or so. I think uh, Brady hit Mike Evans on like a crosser, and and Evans was able to to get a few yards after the catch. But mm-hmm. you, like you said, you mentioned Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Two of those guys had two of the Bucks touchdowns, and the other guy had over a hundred yards. And so, he was I tackled mean, at the one. Yeah, yeah he could have exactly. had a touchdown yeah. as well. Too. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I, well, I have Mike Evans in fantasy, so I wasn't too thrilled that he got tackled at the one, but yeah. um, I, it looks like we're going to win this week anyway. So, um, I mean, I had Calvin Ridley, so. Oh, there you <laughs> that, go. That, that was a, there was a little bit. There was one I was like, uh. You can thank Sean yeah. Murphy Bunting for that. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we're, we're done with the negatives for staying today. Staying positive. We're staying yeah. positive. Ross Cockrell. Uh, Ross Cockrell was doing yeah, this. Thing. Yeah, hey, he, he did his job. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think. You know, that's what this offense is supposed to look like. And I mean, it's not, they weren't even like forcing the ball down the field. I mean, if you look at it, how many Brady deep shots were there that didn't work? They didn't really throw many. It, it wasn't like it was a lot of like, they don't need to. Yeah, exa- exactly. I think they really after the Rams game, I think they kind of figured that out. And then the Chiefs were just playing a lot of like cover zero. So they thought maybe they could burn them there. But I mean, even mm-hmm. you saw last week versus Minnesota, they didn't force it a ton. And now this week, they didn't force it a ton. So I'm hoping that this turns a corner for them realizing, like you said almost, that they don't need to take these downfield shots. When it's there, sure. When Antonio Brown has a mismatch and he's beating his guy by three, four yards, throw it, right? Like, a- absolutely. Um, but it doesn't need to be on a third and five. You don't need 30. You, you just need five. So get the five and, <laughs> and worry about worry about it later. So I think this offense just it reverted back to what it does best. And it, it didn't go back to what it hasn't done, like, especially in that Rams game. Because uh, I think the Rams were really keying in on the, on the deep ball, and that's all the Bucks seem to want to do. Yeah. Now, the production from those receivers in the second half that we had just talked about, Mike Evans, six receptions, 110 yards. Antonio Brown, his biggest game is a Buccaneer, five receptions, 93 yards. That glorious 46-yard touchdown that he had to put the Buccaneers on top. Just a side note, I really do enjoy watching Antonio Brown play football. Something about him, whenever he gets the ball in his hands, yeah, I don't know it, if I've seen a receiver on a Bucks roster fight for extra yardage more than I have AB these last well, few games. They don't, they don't have a guy like Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin is not Antonio Brown. Mike yeah. Evans is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown can create more once he has the ball in his hands. Yeah. Those guys are just – Chris Godwin gets his yards after the catch by just breaking tackles. And Mike Evans really isn't a yards after the catch guy. Like he's just he, – you know, Mike Evans isn't going to take a slant and take it 50 yards. Yeah, um, and, and Antonio Brown – sorry, not to cut you off. No, but Antonio good. Brown is like – silky smooth when he's got the ball you know like every, oh every time he touches the ball it's like oh he's gonna break it and he's like gonna do something yeah chris godwin gets the hard yards chris godwin is like a blue collar mm. <laughs> like football player you know <laughs> works hard for everything he might get the same amount of yards on a play that antonio brown is gonna do but antonio brown is going to be able to like juke guys go left and right and get by them Chris Godwin's was just gonna him. like Gonna, Chris Godwin's going to lower the shoulder yeah. and and you know, get that same amount it's, of yards. It's going to look it? like it, it, it hurts. It's going to look like <laughs> it, it hurts him to, to do it, but yeah, he's yeah. going to do it. Um, yeah, I definitely think. But like you said, Rhett, I mean, we're not really talking about the, the person Antonio Brown here, but the football player Antonio Brown, you can you can tell why, I mean, Pittsburgh fans had so much joy with him because it's, it is exciting to, to watch him because every time, just like you, you guys are saying, every time he touches the ball, it might go to the house. Like on some of those screens, I was like, oh, if he gets by that one dude, he might take it. And there's a few times I remember, you know, even in the Minnesota game, he had a few. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't bet on him being back next year. So I would enjoy watching him these next whatever uh, two games for sure. And then possibly three or four, hopefully like what, six what would it be um, something like that extra. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we'll see. But I mean, I do agree. He's a very, very exciting player. And just to kind of wrap up the productivity of the second half offense, when this Bucks offense is rolling, not only do you have the best to do it under center, you have got 
a plethora of weapons, which has been talked about to no end at this point. But some other stats, Cam Brate, four catches for 50-plus yards. Chris yeah, Godwin a nice got, day. Quiet, nice day. Yeah, Chris Godwin, four catches and a touchdown for him. Shady got three catches for 30-plus yards. Gronk had three catches. And by the way, just another side note, Gronk, that one catch that he had where he basically, oh, yeah. dude, this guy is un real i did not think he'd be playing at this he, level at least this he's season. all the way back yeah he's all the way back. and he drew There's... that penalty in the end zone too they were already yeah. only like a yard out yeah. but you know. yeah well i don't know well i don't know what that falcons guy was was thinking is i mean he almost ripped his jersey off yeah and, <laughs> yeah so um yeah i mean but you can tell it's gronkowski and the, the good thing is that if he wants to play football again i don't think it's going to be anywhere else but tampa so that's good news for the bucks uh, i think because I mean, there's somebody there's an NFL team out there that would offer him some money. I mean, there oh, yeah. definitely is because he's proven that he can be. I mean, he's to me, he's right now, he's a top 10 tight end. I mean, he's playing like it. Uh, maybe even top five, you could argue, over these, you know, last, you know, seven, eight weeks. But um, yeah, he started off slow, but for a guy that hasn't played football in a year, uh, I think he's uh, he's playing very well. Yeah, and I don't know how murky this situation is still with the play calling, but I wanted to ask what you had thought of it because an observation I made this week is no Ronald Jones. The run game wasn't going, but it didn't matter. Play action was working pretty well, it seemed like, this week, and we saw a lot of it. Uh, Matt, what did you make of the play calling this week, particularly in the second half when things kind of started rolling again? I thought the play calling in the first half was was so-so. I mean, it's kind of everything we already talked about where they're getting off the slow starts and they're not. They, they barely had the ball. It's just it, yeah. it feels like they, the Falcons had the ball basically the whole well, first half. Well, that's the problem half. is they keep going three and out. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, how do you really establish anything that you want to do if you just don't have the ball in your hands? Um, in the In the second half, I mean, they kind of just went into desperation mode, but when they went into desperation mode and they just essentially threw everything out the window and said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We have to, by any by any means necessary, get back into the game. That's when they, it's like almost like when you don't think you play better in a yeah. sense of like, all right, then they started getting Antonio Brown the ball. Then they started getting Mike Evans the ball and everything just started clicking a little bit Seems more so and more. Yeah, they just, that's, <laughs> that's essentially what they need to do is keep it simple. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they just have such – I mean, we've said it, what, 10 times already on this show. Their weapons are so good. Like, Mike Evans will get his. Chris Godwin will get his. Antonio Brown will get his. Just don't make it more difficult than it has to be. And there's been games this year where they just have. I mean, the Giants game. I understand they didn't have Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown at that time, but the Giants game, they they struggled. Um, obviously, the, the whole Saints game, I don't, I don't even know how you can bring that one up, but – um, and then the, the Rams game at times, the start of the Chiefs game. I mean, you know, they just seem to be making it so much harder than it needs to be. And just like you said, just keep it simple. I mean, I, I'm, you know, if, if there's any yeah. office fans out there, uh, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Um, <laughs> You know, if there's, if there's anybody who'll get that reference, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's what they need to do and, you know, and need to continue because, yeah. uh, in, in Detroit, you got to keep it going. Just, you know, keep keep it on the roll and start getting some momentum heading towards the playoffs. Yeah. So I, I want to add on top of that, um, I, I want to find the stat first before I said it. So um, they actually did not do very well in play action this game. They went three for 12 on play action passes oh. for 68 yards. Oh, God, That's forget not... I said anything then. Well, <laughs> yeah, so like when you said that, I was like, I remember seeing a stat that they didn't do that well. But here's the thing. If you keep running those play action passes, even if they didn't work, and as we said before, most of the time they are very successful. They're, I think Brady's second in the league when it comes to yeah. com- you know, oh, yeah. completing play action passes and the number of yards. Just the fact that you're running those plays, it's going to keep the defense guessing, and it has to be on their toes getting ready to react to a play. It's been proven that you don't have to have a successful running game to run play action and, yeah. and go at it. So. I think that was actually, and again, some of it just came out of desperation, but that was a good sign that at least they kept going with it. And even though it didn't work, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet that down the road, if they keep running play action at least 10 times a game, more often than not, it's going to work in the Bucs' favor. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, Red, I think we need to switch our attention because, it's like we mentioned, we mentioned a little bit, but not too much. The defense, I mean, it only allowed 10 points. So, I mean, you, you can't really come back if your defense is, if you keep trading, if you keep trading touchdowns because the foul, you're already up multiple scores. So, your defense needs to step up, and the Bucks certainly did that. Yeah, absolutely. And as we kind of wrap things up here, there's one more question I wanted to go over. Seems like the million dollar question this week. Um, I haven't looked at it lately, but I'm pretty sure the Bucks have like a 95 plus percent chance to make the playoffs at this point with the win last Sunday, something in that neighborhood. But yeah, let's just look ahead a little bit. And I wanted to ask both of you, how does this team shape up for the playoffs? Because we've talked about it. You know, there's a lot that they just simply can't get away with anymore. You can't get away with digging yourself into a 17 to zero hole by halftime because most of the time the team that you're playing in the playoffs isn't going to let you come back unless you're Kansas City, which the Buccaneers have proven this season that they are not. So, Evan, I wanted to get your two cents first. But, you know, the slow starts, the uh, the lack of chemistry on offense that people point at every single week, the slow start on defense, the soft zone, whatever it may be, what is the biggest hole on this team that you think needs to be fixed before the playoffs it has it has to be the slow starts yeah it it has to be um i the defense vita Vey ain't walking through that door he's not coming back i i think it's a huge part of their defense that they're missing but he ain't coming back right on offense oj howard or another vertical threat he ain't walking through that door um so I, and i mean now carlton davis might be a little banged up we don't know yet we'll see uh but I mean, just I, I couldn't believe when I heard that they had not have a first quarter lead, you know, since week five. Yeah, it's you got to be kidding me. Like, how is this team nine and five when they haven't had a lead in the first quarter since, since week five? It just it's something that is gonna, it's going to kill them. It's going to eventually come back to bite them. And in the playoffs, everybody's pretty much everybody's good. Okay. If you make the playoffs, you're good. Washington, yeah, their roster, like Tampa has the better roster and stuff, but they're playing some decent football right now. I mean, they lost to Seattle by five. A lot of people think Seattle might be a Super Bowl contender. Um, their defense, I mean, Washington's defense is good. That front uh, to, four to is, is hard to ignore yeah. at this point. You know that, you know, all you have to do to beat Tom Brady is pressure him, and that that's a definitely more than capable group. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the biggest thing. So I think they they got to get off to a better start. And until they do, I just I don't know how much confidence I can have with them heading into the playoffs. I mean, they have an opportunity, obviously, with Detroit and with Atlanta coming up. They have an opportunity. Just take your opening drive and just score a touchdown. Like you're just kick a field goal. Take take control of the game early and just don't let it go. And I think that's what a lot of Bucks fans have been waiting for. That that four quarter domination game and it, it hasn't happened yet. You know, um, they they turned the ball over on on their first drive in Carolina, even though they ended up blowing out Carolina pretty much, but still turned the ball over on the first drive. Went down that game. Um, it just it even in their their really good performances, they haven't played a full four quarters, and I think that's what a lot of fans are waiting for. So until they do that, I'm just I'm not sure if I could be overly confident. I. Washington, obviously, you want that matchup. That's a favorable matchup. But against anybody else, man, I, spotting you know uh, Aaron Rodgers 17 points in a playoff game isn't something I, I want to be interested in. I think so. For the Bucks, they are so unpredictable. Just yeah. because, I mean, for a team that is on the cusp of making the playoffs for the first time since 2007. They can look so abysmal like they did in the first quarter or first half, but then they could look like the closest thing to the undefeated Tom Brady Patriots that lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It's like the pendulum swings in such crazy directions for if they get into the postseason. I'm saying if it's very likely. Everything is matchup based for them. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, to, to answer the question, I think third down on both sides of the ball is a huge thing for this team. I mean, yeah. as we talked about before, they struggled on third down in the first half. In the second half, they didn't even really get to third downs. They were just moving the ball so well down the field. Defensively, it all comes down to, like, obviously getting the stop on third down, but it comes down to getting those stops by getting to the quarterback because the Bucks were in a lot of situations where it was third and five, third and seven, mm-hmm. 
and they just could not get off the field. I mean, the first yeah. thing that pops into my mind was um, the first drive of the game when Devin Third White. Nine. Devin White had a great game, but that that yeah, the the dump off pass to Todd Gurley, and he just outslipped uh, Devin White's arms, and he and he got the first down. But you know, if the Bucks stop them and go three and out there, maybe the hot start happens. I'm a little concerned about the four man pass rush because we do like when the Bucks bring the blitz, but Can't if they have to time. bring it if they have to bring it every yeah. single time, guys like Aaron Rodgers are are you know they're they're going to pick that apart. The Bucks defense, though, and you can kind of go all the way back to the Green Bay game. They when they have a lead, this oh man, it's almost like they they just go full cylinder. It's <laughs> almost like in Black Panther when they make the suit for him and like the suit gets stronger the more you hit it that's almost like how the defense is like the more you get that defensive lead defensive lead the more they pin their ears back and the more it's hunting season as, as bruce arians likes to call it mm-hmm. i really so like that down. comparison thank you it's a pretty good one uh, um but yeah i i really think third down is is the key for both sides of the ball when it comes to the playoffs the bucks are a very matchup base oriented team yeah where I feel like Washington would give them a difficult time Just because don't, don't play New Orleans and LA, I think, in your right. <laughs> so that's what I was gonna say is because like a team such as the Rams, they'll construct their offense to beat the Bucks soft zone. So hopefully the Bucks would play press man. But uh yeah, like defensively they know the Bucks wanted to go deep. So they just, you know, they have the safeties back and then Jalen Ramsey can can essentially do his thing. Where if the Bucks were to play someone like Seattle or where, you know, the name of the game is going to be contain Russell Wilson. Or if they play Green Bay again, who both teams, they kind of have weaker defenses, not the best pass rush. That's a better matchup for the Bucs. So it's for the Bucs specifically, it's a very matchup based situation. Like, what if somehow the Cowboys win the division and the Bucs end up playing? I think the Cowboys are still, they can still do it. have a shot. Yeah, yeah technically they can. Like, yeah. I, if I'm the Bucs, I would much rather play the Cowboys. <laughs> I'd much rather play any team in the NFC East than Washington. Just because yeah, of that defensive sure. front. The I Eagles mean, the Giants. Team, I, with Jalen Hurts. With Jalen yeah, Hurts, know, the Eagles are like a different team now. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, I think the Eagles are they're pretty much done with their, their loss to Arizona uh, yeah. yesterday. But, I mean, if you're talking like Dallas, New York, Washington, Washington would be at the bottom of that list of who I'd want to play. I would rank. And yeah, the Giants and the yeah probably. Yeah, but like, I mean, the team like Seattle, what's Seattle's issue all year? Lack of pass rush. Their best uh, pass rusher what, is Jamal Adams. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of crazy that way. Um, but yeah, it's that's why it's like Chicago, like that's why they lost to Chicago. They couldn't protect Tom Brady. Chicago is not better than the Bucks. Like they're they're, they're not. <laughs> like, but they couldn't protect Tom Brady, and they couldn't get enough pressure on Nick Foles. That's why. And and that started the whole soft. Zone coverage defense. Yeah. Well, and, and but then they, they responded. The they responded with the Green Bay game, and everybody thought that was it's, everything was fine. And the the funny thing to me is you mentioned about. And before we wrap up, I just want to mention this real fast: is you mentioned how when the Bucks defense has a lead, that Jamel Dean pick six, they were down ten nothing. They were. <laughs> that yeah. was, it's, that's that's the surprise there. It's just um, and also when yesterday when the Bucks went up, went up thirty one twenty seven, there was still six minutes on the clock. The Falcons got the ball what two more times I think, or was it just one more? I think maybe. Um, I'm trying to think. It might have been. I think it was. I thought it was two more, but I, I could be wrong. Um, I thought the Falcons might have got the ball twice, but the, regardless, the Bucks still had six minutes. Like that, that game wasn't over, and yeah. the Bucks defense was able to. They struggled at times, but they were able to to you know right right the ship. Um, yeah, I'm just checking here. Uh, yeah, um, it looks they had like the ball it around midfield, I believe, and then they punted. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, it was the Antonio Brown one. Yeah, they had they had the ball two more times. Yeah, 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 they had they had the ball two more times. Yeah, they that was um that was that one uh, Devin White had had the sack on third and twelve, and that really pushed him back. And then the Bucks had four plays, didn't score, and then the Falcons got the ball again. Right, that's they, when that's when yeah. they pinned him deep, and yeah, and uh, right. I think yeah. Cockrell made the the tackle at the yeah, end. Yeah, which he's down. he's just been he's been solid for him. Oh, yeah, um, he's been more than serviceable <laughs> filling in. Great addition. 
Yeah, and also, Rhett, I think we can all admit uh, at the end of the game, I, the Bucks were going to win, but that wasn't a first down, right? <laughs> oh, dude. I, <laughs> the it only person we have to thank for that is is Tom Brady. Like, I don't know what it is about these calls, but, you know, we saw the refs open yeah, exactly. up with some home cooking. Um, but but towards yeah. the end, yeah, that definitely was not a first down. I don't know what they were. And they, they replayed it. Too. They, yeah. they, they looked at it. I, don't, I, don't, I thought like once they slowed it down and like were taking their time, I was like, okay, they'll be like fourth and inches or whatever. But they, they just kept it. Because even, like, okay. even watching it real time, you saw Fournette go down, and I'm like, oh, he's like a good two feet short. You yeah. Know? yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> whatever. Well, a win's a win. And I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, you see all over social media that two weeks in a row, apparently the Buccaneers have needed the refs to win. Cause you know, Dan Bailey kept it a very tight contested game last you know, week. And then the Falcons definitely had a the chance. The Falcons would have got the ball with like 20. I know. I know that's that, no timeouts. I know that's what I'm poking fun at, but ladies and gentlemen, with all of that being said, I think that's just about going to do it for today's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets or, of course, checking us out with video over on YouTube. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, uh, drop some comments on any video, leave a thumbs up, do whatever you got to do. But make sure you subscribe and turn on those notifications. It helps out the show much more than you know. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show, and of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the show again. For the people who aren't familiar, where can they find you and your awesome work? Uh, they can find me on pewterreport.com first. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Matty4 underscore Matera. And uh, yeah, follow Peter Report on Twitter and Instagram as well, as, as well as my Instagram. Absolutely. Great stuff you guys are putting out over there on Pewter Report. And I actually did get to read that most disappointing you put out yesterday. And, and that kind of led us to the front four conversation earlier. But really good stuff that they're churning out. So make sure you guys go check that out. You can follow my co-host Evan on social media. He's not going to follow you back, but that's all right. You can find him on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter at Evan NFL. And last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-A-G-T-T-A-K-U-S. And if you follow me, I will follow you back, unlike Evan. But that's just about going to do it for the show this week. I am your host, Rhett. Signing off for my co-host, Evan, and our special guest, Matt Matera. We will talk to you guys uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll talk about that here in a second. One of those but days. It's going to be a call-in show for the game preview show this week, so make sure you're ready for that. It'll be streaming live on our YouTube channel. So just a reminder, make sure you subscribe, get those notifications on so you know the minute that we go live. But we'll talk to you guys a little bit later this week for the game preview. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan and Matt. We'll catch you next time. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.